anomaly detection must be done based on the application anatomy. Every application is built differently, just like human beings. So you can't treat them all the same way. Really, we donated it because we believe the best way to sustain an open source project is that the project is part of a foundation. Joining the CNCF really does ensure users and adopters that CurryFence won't bait and switch. You are listening to the Kubelist Podcast, a show interviewing project maintainers for CNCF sandbox, incubating, and graduated projects. We'll discuss each project to understand where it came from and discuss the roadmap and plans to continue the project. Hi, I'm Mark Campbell. I publish the Kubelist weekly newsletter dedicated to Kubernetes and the CNCF ecosystem. I'm the founder and CTO at Replicated, where we enable cloud-native software vendors like Puppet, Harness, HashiCorp, Sneak, and many others to operationalize and scale the distribution of their modern on-prem software. Check us out at replicated.com. The Kubelist podcast is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. Finally, sign up for the Kubelist weekly newsletter and read previous issues at kubelist.com. On this episode, I was joined by Zuri Bar-Yohai and Justin Dorfman from Reblaze to chat about one of the newest CNCF sandbox projects, CurryFence. CurryFence is a pretty advanced web application firewall that's built on top of Envoy. We spent a lot of time on the episode talking about what CurryFence does and the product architecture. This might be a new sandbox project, but it's built on about a decade of work by the team at Reblaze, so it's pretty mature. Suri is an expert in dynamic rules for firewalls, web application firewalls, rate limiting, DDoS attacks, and how to protect an API. And because of that, the conversation does go pretty deep on the product, but it's just such a cool product to explore. After talking about the product and the roadmap, Justin then jumps in and helps explain why Reblaze donated it to the CNCF and how seriously the company takes that decision. Justin is passionate about the community and helping anyone who wants to run CurryFence. Hi, this week we're going to talk to one of the newest CNCF sandbox projects called CurryFence. If you haven't seen this project yet, don't worry. We're going to be digging in and spending the whole episode talking about this project. So joining me, we have two great guests from Reblaze, Suri Bar-Yohai and Justin Dorfman. Let's start with some intros. Suri, um, do you want to introduce yourself and your background? Well, thank you, Mark. So I'm Suri Bar-Yohai, a founder and CTO for Reblaze, a company which we founded back in 2011, 2012. And since we provide application security platform on a cloud, but application security basically means a comprehensive platform that provides the client with a web application firewall, comprehensive biometric-based BOP management, DDoS protection, and so on and so forth. At the beginning of last year, January 2020, we started working on this project, CurryFence, which is a, a newer version of our product, which we decided to release as open source. Um, and I believe we will discuss further about this project today. Yeah, for sure. And then Justin, so you're an open source program manager at Reblaze? That is correct. I started around a little over two months ago. I'm basically responsible for the fostering and adoption of the project CurryFence in the cloud native space. So yeah, it's been a really nice ride so far. And I am just like, I'm really excited to be in a new space, the cloud native space. It's a really cool community. Great. Awesome. So let's dig into CurryFence. Zuri, you, you mentioned a few terms like web application firewall, DDoS protection, and CurryFence being an open source implementation. Can you just describe what CurryFence is? So CurryFence is a product that provides you, uh, whether you are a user, developer, site reliability engineer, DevOps engineer, whoever you are, 
an easy way to protect your applications, APIs, services, microservices, and so on from all sorts of attacks. Curveface uh, works heavily based on profiling, meaning there is an intelligent process profiling each and every incoming request, as well as profiling sessions. And based on profiling, you can apply policies what is and define risk levels and, and reactions to based on the context and the content and behavior and so on. Um, the system is a comprehensive one. So it's not just the web application firewall, I would say a classic one, which one would expect to protect against SQL injection, XSS, uh, cross-site, request forgery, and so on. Rather a comprehensive one that, as I said, based on profiling, uh, so whether it's an automatic bot or um, scanning tools or a uh, hacker manually trying to work through through an application and finding vulnerabilities and exploiting vulnerabilities. SQL injection, obviously, always top 10, always top 20. But above all, the behavioral analysis that we provide gives automatic detection against, uh, in most of the cases, automated uh, attacks, such as uh, brute force logging, account takeover, credit card frauds, and so on and so forth. And the project is open source. Right now, it's available um, as an envoy um, HTTP filter, and more to come, meaning other proxies and integrations will come down the road. Cool. So some interesting stuff there to dig into. There's lots of different protection that it sounds like I get. SQL injection, XSS, bot detection. Do I just install Curry Fence and I get all of that? Or how much configuration and like rules... Yeah. You mentioned policies. Like, yeah, help me understand how that all works together. Yeah, so you can go to just curiofans.io and just github.com slash curiofans and just get started from there, right? So you Docker Compose, we have Katakoda, uh, we have Helm Charts, so you can deploy a whole Kubernetes uh, cluster to play with the curiofans. Basically, um, you attach curiofans to your Envoy proxy, whether uh, Ingress Gateway in form of uh, service mesh or in a sidecar, and that HTTP filter is simply each and every request will route through the CurveFence. As our request arrives at CurveFence, it gets through a profiling process. Within a fraction of milliseconds, we compare the request against all sorts of lists and rules within the system. Lists can be external threat intelligence rules, um, lists such as uh, IP repetition, is number repetition, commercial ones that Yes, the user has access to or open source ones and so on. Lists also can be policy definition and profiling, such as API discovery. So CureFence comes with preloaded set of rules and lists, that some of which we updated daily, such as Google crawlers, Facebook crawlers, social media, and all those whitelisted bots, search engines, and so on. So traffic, as it arrives, it's already being profiled uh, and pretty much CureFence already has a quite precise rank for the incoming traffic, whether it's behind a VPN uh, or anonymous store or any other anonymous proxies and so on and so forth. And that request get tagged. And from that point on, um, tags are used all over the place, whether um, with a session control flow, meaning uh, there is certain sessions, certain flow within an application that you expect the uh, standard users to, to follow through while attackers probably will not follow that flow. 
I would say, super advanced rate limiting. Um, and you got to use it just to see what I'm talking about. It's not just uh, bi-dimensional rate limiting everybody's familiar with. And those all work with tags, so meaning you can do rate limiting for unauthorized user and then different rate limiting for authorized users. You can whitelist affiliates, make exceptions for um, a variety of levels and layers of security and rate limiting. Uh, you can escalate the reaction of the system based on the behavior. So if rate limiting gets violated at the beginning, the system will react in a certain way. And then if the user is the attacker, for that matter, continues hammering the system, then it will get banned for an extended amount of time. So all those layers are built into the system. Further down the road, there is the ACL, meaning simple access control is who is allowed, what is allowed, what is not, based on source, based on content, based on profiling, whether sessions are allowed even though human is not verified or only for verified humans. For example, login forms, which is UI, user interface, meant to be working with users rather than bots. So you may want to apply deny bot in curve-fence terminology, deny bot for those interfaces. Harder, there is the application firewall engine, which look into each header, key, and value, each cookie, and each argument within the post argument put within the request body, and compare those payloads against signature set or rule which is maintained by Curfus community and us, obviously, as uh, the bakers of the project. And all that happens within a fraction of a millisecond. Imagine that. Yeah, obviously, performance is probably a critical goal. Like Nobody wants a, yeah. a WAF that's <laughs> going to add hundreds of milliseconds to requests. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So the tagging that happens, I'd love to understand that a little bit more. I understand that the tags are used to help make intelligent decisions by curry fence, but do they pass all the way through to my application? Like if I want to see some tags, can I access them in my runtime code also? Yeah. So all the tags are actually goes into the logs, which by the way will be within your Elasticsearch or your PostgreSQL or your BigQuery or your DynamoDB. You can choose where you want logs to be stored. And more than that, you can definitely define all the tags to be sent to your app stream say, we, uh, in the form of headers, for example. So we can add like additional custom header. All tags are there, so you can see all the tags. Um, and tags are pretty powerful because you can easily say, deny bot and then allow bot for Google SEO and you know all SEO stuff related and so on and so forth. You just put the tags and then everything is taken care of by the system. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, we've had a web application firewall running on our system since the beginning. And there's like this level of comfort you have when you have a really good... WAF running with bot detection and its dynamic rules where you wake up in the morning and you have an, an alert that says, you know, we blocked the following attacks last night. You're like, that's that's good. You know, I don't know what would happen if I didn't have a web application firewall. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned this term dynamic rules, which is one I believe we were the first one to use back in 2012 in our product. But seems like it's now with uh, standard uh, common in the industry. By the way, I just want to mention that CurryFence, even though it's open source and just was released uh, several weeks ago, Nevertheless, we're bringing into CurryFence over a decade of experience within Reblaze. In Reblaze, right now, we process over between 12 to 15 billion HTTP requests per day. So our team, uh, prior to Reblaze, obviously, was experienced in the field. So we bring in dozens of years of experience into the field. And CurryFence by itself is pretty solid, uh, used by uh, companies such as Cisco and others. 
in production. And we're very excited about the development of this open source uh, project. I'd love to chat about that for a little bit. You know, so you have a commercial product. You've been around, you know, since 2011, 2012, working on on this space. And now you you've taken like it sounds like the core part of what your business was and released it as an open source project, and even more than just open source, but donated like the application to the CNCF. Can you help me understand the thought process there and how you think about what goes into open source and what stays in the commercial offering as you move forward? Sure. So I would rather answer the last question and then uh, go back to the earlier one, if I may. Great. So what goes into the open source? I would say almost everything. What do I mean by that? So when we, actually it was me, to be honest, when I came to the board with this bold idea of open source, I was like a child growing up and willing to fulfill his childhood dreams, right? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm a great fan of open source, being you know open source for almost all my professional life. And I needed to build a case, right? So I was told, like I was given some ideas, you know, people talking to you and already, you just come up with something, people already come to you with ideas and what they think, their opinions and so on. Okay, so we're going to put this sort of, say, out of 10, let's put like seven, six, seven features for free and then the remaining will be commercial, right? But what we chose to do here, uh, we've chosen a completely different way. What do I mean by that? Feature-wise, capability-wise, functionality-wise, CareFest will be a complete product, meaning we provide you with all the tools that you need to get full protection for your application, for your platform. We don't take some features of security, core security features, and say, you pay you get it. No, you get it for free. That's the idea. An open source product, in order for it to be successful, it must fill in its space. Cannot do like 70% of the job. Right? Like just like Envoy does everything you need it to do as a proxy, right? Just like Nginx did it or and still does it, just like MySQL and Postgres. And so every successful open source project you look at. The open source product, the successful one, usually cover and fill in its space. So that's the idea. Now, what we do here is basically challenging the competition in a way of which we say, okay, so product-wise, feature-wise, functionality-wise, capability-wise, we provide the same as if not better than competitors for free. All right, so we're not even starting counting a dollar for you to get what you need to be secure. What will come into career fans that will be commercial will be management tools that we believe you will need as you will protect larger environments and, and more complex Kubernetes deployments. And what do I mean by that? So we talked about those tagging and rules and signatures and all sorts of mechanisms within CareFans, like six or seven different mechanisms that works in conjunction uh, for each and every request that you can get things done pretty quickly for uh, I would say one, two, three, whichever number of Kubernetes deployments that you have depend on how many applications within each uh, and services within each and every deployment. But at a certain point of time, you'll find that those repetitive work are quite you know, time-consuming and there is sort of automation that could have saved you some time digging into the logs and eliminating possibilities for false positive and so on and so forth. So here's where we come and provide you what we call it internally right now, security automation. So based on data analysis, based on the log analysis, the system will provide you recommendations for uh, 
how to refine uh, rules which already define the system, uh, define rules for the system beliefs uh, are missing or recommending uh, applying this and that. Also for recommendation and improvements on helping you managing complex large scale of Kubernetes deployments. And that's what we're looking at, you know, starting the commercial part. The other part of the commercial would be our mobile SDK, which right now is part of our Reblaze commercial part, which is an SDK for Android and iOS developers. As they integrate this SDK into their applications, all requests performed by the application towards the API servers, the backend services, and so on, are authenticated by CurieFence and verified that the actual user holding the device and it's not an emulator mimicking the device, it's not just API calls, it's actual device. And we do that by simply hooking into the device metrics and signals and sensors and gyros and so on and so forth. It's all in the website, so all this information. So, you know, a normal web application firewall is inspecting the traffic that comes in, but by integrating that SDK, you're able to have data on both sides and, and code executing on both sides. Yeah. yeah, Right. I mean, for the web browsers, we already provided as part of CareFence or as part of the free. So for web applications, once in a browser, we provide you within CareFence the verification of that's a real browser and not a headless browser and not a Selenium or any other Chrome or Firefox in headless mode. We provide the verification that um, it's not just, you know, an API call with um, the proper user agent, rather it's a actual, real, visible, interactive web browser, interactive with your application. But all the biometric part, meaning a user is clicking and moving this, their mouse, scrolling, touching, and all this stuff is part of that client-side verification. But the automation analysis and the machine learning and the AI we have on top of it, that will be part of the commercial. So just to go all the way up to the top layer here for a minute, like the whole goal then is by all of the work that you've done for years and years, and now it's in Curry Fence, says that I can know that the only requests that get to my server, my API, are actual legitimate requests by actual users of the application that I want to be interacting with the app. And other bots and anything else that might be happening, they go somewhere else. They just they get rejected with some HTTP error code. Yeah, I mean, you can choose ERCOD, you can choose to redirect them. I mean, some of our customers, what they do with scrapers is simply uh, providing like fake data, for example. So if the system detects a, a bot which is attacking or attempting to attack an API, instead of blocking them, meaning they will now go and change their IP and change their techniques and so on, you simply feed them with fake response, meaning with junk data that looks real, looks good. But for the attacker, as long as they don't know they are been detected, it will not change their attack. So this is also a possibility. So it's all built to the system. You can control and define and customize their custom response, such as block code. You can respond with a block code, like 403, 503, whichever one you choose. At the same time, you can redirect, you can provide other content, you can provide notification, you can do whatever you want. I'm assuming that there's like ways to integrate this into different monitoring tools and alerting tools, right? So if there's a, a flood of attacks on my system, like I can hook it into existing uh, functionality? That is correct. So the built-in that we provided from day one, it was important for us, is um, sending all the metrics to Prometheus. Uh, that is our Grafana, dashboarding, alerts, and so on. And as well as for Rolox, we provide support for PostgreSQL. 
uh, Elasticsearch, and Google BigQuery. So as you monitor incoming traffic, whether on the log level, and the logs are basically comprehensive records of all the data, uh, the entire request with all the arguments, cookies, headers, and all the attributes and all the tags and all the additional information and all the process and all the flow uh, that CareFence took prior to forwarding uh, the request to the app stream. So either you're monitoring the logs on your Oreo end or you're monitoring your Prometheus Grafana, that's where you can get all the alerts. And let alone, uh, just to say that within the commercial product, that we also provide support for other SIEM and SOC integration. So like commercial SIEM products from IBM, HP, and so on and so forth. Great, yeah, this is a cool project. I want to dig in a little bit more, maybe go a little bit deeper in the weeds on like session profiling. You mentioned that you can make intelligent decisions based on the session data. So if I want to integrate CurryFence into my application and I'm passing, you know, a JSON web token, a JOT token back to the back end, like how much work does it take for me to be able to provide CurryFence information or like the intelligence, the instructions for how to decode that JOT token and figure out what to do? All right, that's a, it's a very good point. So this is what we are not going to do within CureFence, at least in the foreseeable roadmap. In other words, we are. Uh, as it comes to API security, one of the things we're not planning to do because it's crowded and everybody else is doing it within their API gateways and API uh, product within uh, Kubernetes and outside of the Kubernetes ecosystem, it is uh, API authentication and JWT or whatever uh, mechanism of integration, whichever methodology used for authentication, right? So CareFence will not look into authenticating and say this API is key, uh, uh, token provided is authenticated, valid, or invalid. That's not what we are looking at doing because we're assuming you already have it um, by other tools. Mother, CareFence will look into the overall API behavior in addition to pair requests. So it's important to mention, within CareFence, you have three layers of observability, and control. First one is the each and every request, uh, per request, right? So the request itself, by itself, where it comes from, the IP, the S number, the content, the headers, the data, the decoding, the encoding, whatever. Whatever there is that's been inspected, deep packet inspection, by all means. On top of it, there is the session monitoring. So based on your choice, we may build within Redis, which, by the way, provided by CureFence as you deploy, or you can just point CureFence to use an existing Redis cluster that you have. But within Redis, we build uh, all sort of um, data structures that monitor sessions. Sessions basically are a sequence of requests and responses, right? So those are within real-time protection with session overview, meaning not just PR single request, rather a whole sequence of requests, for example. Suppose you have a web form, simple landing page with a sign-up form, right? That sign-up form, when a user click on the button submit or register or sign up, behind the scenes there is a post, HTTP post request takes place Ajax and submit data from within the form to complete the registration or just sign up operation. In that case, if you monitor just the post for signups, right? As you can get some level of protection by monitoring each and every post and learning from one post to another what seems to be legitimate, what's not, right? But 
if you look at the overall session, meaning uh, does the user downloaded the page first to their browser before submitting the post, meaning there was a get for that URL prior to the post. And when was the get and when was the post? I know that within my sign-up page, I have this and that request and signals and pixels that downloaded to the browser. Was that taking place? So all those signals that tells us up there in CurieFence on, on a server side that whatever happens in the client side seems to be legit. The sequence or in order and everything seems to be in place and intact versus just post signups that have been sent over and over again, even from you know different IPs, but being sent on their own without any prior interaction with the system. So that's another level of session protection and session monitoring and session control that you have within CurieFence. But this is not the end. Above that, there is the log-based processing, the data analysis we do on the database, on the logs. And that's usually will go over um, longer timeframes and different sessions and different applications. Usually, a user within an application will interact with multiple services while uh, simply using, uh, you know, logging into the application, clicking on that module and products and orders and different modules, right? Different modules represent usually different microservices on a backend. So by looking at the data, the overall data of a session of a user, then you can learn what actual user is doing, how legitimate it is, and uh, detect anomalies and detect malicious activity and, and intention even. So does CurryFence start to learn what's normal behavior and like outside of like, hey, that's unexpected and anomalous behavior in the way that we would expect a generic HTTP request to behave. But like, does it start to understand how users of my application interact with my application and start to detect weird patterns there? Right on. But that I emphasize those parts, the machine learning stuff, that is part of the commercial, not on the free open source. Data machine learning, you know, data processing based on previous and prior behavior and so on and so forth. And one thing is uh, I'd like to mention here, Mark, off topic, but not so much. I mentioned we we process dozens of billions of requests per day. Mm. And our clients, current one, right, we provide our solution today, even outside of CurieFans, as a single tenant SaaS. Especially if a customer Freeblaze runs on their own isolated environment, and that is a complete self-contained environment that we, we deploy automatically for each and every client, just for the principle that we do not believe that a multi-tenancy security-based cloud SaaS solution can be considered, even considered, as a good way to go, as a good solution, a good, good architecture, I would say acceptable architecture in our opinion. And all over the years, People, investors, and, and opinionators ask us, how come you not, sh- I mean, competitors, when they have this massive database of all their users and all their users on the same platform, they can share data and they can learn from one to another and so on and so forth. Fact is that most of the attacks, sure enough, more sophisticated attacks, you cannot learn one and reuse that on other applications. Even within the same client, each and every application has its own organism, its own way of behaving and usage and so on and so forth. So that is for what you asked. It is indeed learning what's normal, what's acceptable, what is good, what is uh, 
I would say, within the boundaries of a regular usage of your application, of your service, and will apply rules and policies and thresholds within automatically. It will also adapt as things change. So you release a new version of your API, all of a sudden, a microservice of did so far so seven API calls, all of a sudden does only three, for example, right? The system is adaptive, is learning that legitimate as changes form and will react accordingly. What I'm hearing is the value in multi-tenant SaaS of that deployment model, the risk doesn't make sense because like, there's not massive value in like the learnings inside these. Each of these, you're treating them all individual. So if I sign up and I'm using Reblaze, you know, you're looking at my application in itself. You're not like sharing that data, the learnings with other apps and also not applying other learnings that may not actually really be that applicable to my application traffic. That is correct. I mean, there is some information which we can learn and adopt, such as aggregation that we build. So if all of a sudden we see like a bunch of IP attacking certain targets and then attacking another one. So per se, for those IPs for a given amount of time, for a given time window, we will consider them as malicious and we'll publish information, this information across different clients. Because it makes sense. Right. I would say anomaly detection must be done based on the application anatomy, which is different from each and every application. Every application is built differently, just like human beings. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you can't treat them all the same way. Great. Let's dig into rate limiting for a little bit because I think that's super interesting in a problem that, you know, whether you realize it or not, like every application has, right? Like if you have a forgot password button, you should put a rate limit on that. Otherwise, you know, like there's the OWASP security model and like rate limiting is a critical part of that. So you mentioned that. CurryFence can handle pretty advanced rate limiting rules. What can I do? Okay, so let's go step by step. Um, level one, how many times a given IP you think would be legitimate for a given IP to submit a create account or a login request within a um, given time frame? That's a bi-dimensional classic rate limiting that you can say that with, from a given IP, you're not expecting to receive more than say, uh, five login requests per five minutes, for example. All right? So that's basic, straightforward. Everybody has it. Not a biggie. But let's say that that's based on IP alone. It's not that I mean, powerful, let alone correct, because we know that gateways, such as the mobile carrier, Wi-Fi gateways, and so on, they will serve multiple users, so you're in the airport and using airport Wi-Fi. All 15,000 people within the airport are using the same public IP when they go into the internet, right? So within the system, all 15,000 users are using the same IP. So in that case, you can say, okay, I'm going to look into, not into the IP address, I'm going to look into also the user ID, the email address that you submit within the login, right? For example. So that means now you change the rule not to count unique IPs, rather to count unique IDs, user IDs, right? But we're still looking at user ID uh, within a given time frame. With CurryFence, what you can do easily, so you can do all the above, but more than that, you can also say that by looking into unique ID, say email address or username or whatever it is within the application, you can just choose header, cookie, argument, session ID cookie, or you know, argument, whatever. 
can also look and say, how distributed would you allow this ID to be? And what do I mean by that? So what if we receive your, like, say, uh, mark at gmail.com, we receive it from one IP, and then within a few seconds, we receive it from a different IP and then another IP. How many unique IPs should be in a given ID submitted in a given time frame is still considered legitimate? One example. Well, what if those IP are, con- are within completely different countries? So I see Mark trying to log in from the United States. All of a sudden, he's from, trying to log in from the United Kingdom and then from Canada. So what's going on? So obviously, what we see here is uh, attacker of which aware of IP-based threat limiting and what they do, they distributed their attempts across distributed network of botnets. So as the user is roaming and hopping between different IPs, all of a sudden you see unique IPs and unique IDs. So all those different cases of your ID being submitted across different countries, different numbers, different internet vendors, ISPs, and different IPs, and so on, this also can be controlled within Kerifins with few clicks, literally, or one single API call, right. for that matter. Um, so that's what I'm saying. It's quite powerful. And there's not just single rule that you can apply on your login to put that. You can layer them, as I said, multiple rules by IP, by distribution, and so on and so forth, and also their reaction. If somebody performs, say, five times within a minute, it will get given reaction. But then if they did 15 within three minutes, meaning um, they're still trying, right, then you may want to ban them for a few hours mm. and so on. All this already built into Kerfus. So you can simply escalate the reaction of the system to all those attempts. And you mentioned, you know, the API or the web UI. Um, Curry Fence is running in my Kubernetes cluster, so can I define the rules um, and the policies and the actions, the bans, all that stuff, and then just deploy it through a GitOps tool like Argo CD or Flux? Well, that's a great... I'm really happy you asked this question, Mark, because <laughs> Curry Fence storage engine is basically a Git repository. Everything you do within the API or the UI ends up in a commit within a Git repository that holds all the rules and all the configurations and, and all whatnot within the system. So every change you do is uh, a new commit. Now, that gives you the ultimate GitOps experience. And what do I mean by that? You can manage files on your laptop, commit, and push to the repository configured by CurryFence to look at. And from that point on, every time you'll push to that based on tags or based on the branch name, up to the way you, you like to do things and get things done, that will update the system automatically, right? More than that, if somebody made a mistake, you can roll back either using API or the UI or just within the Git. You can roll back to any revision that you believe more stable and get things fixed and reversed immediately. Not only that, you publish from a branch to a target, meaning if you have like prod, test, QA, stage, and so on and so forth, you can all of a sudden grab or publish the current prod to your QA if you want to do some testing, for example, and check why certain things happening within your system. And you don't need to touch 
your production up until you figure out things on a testing environment, and then you can push changes and back and forth. So it's pretty safe to make changes within query fans, pretty safe to you know, roll back and roll forward. And more than that, it's fairly easy to integrate with any GitOps tools out there because it's simply Git by definition. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's the best benefit of you know a GitOps deployment. It's like all of the existing tools that we know and the workflows we know on how to re- like we're developers, we know how to revert a commit. And it turns out I don't need a different process to revert a deployment. Like, like that's the same thing. Like let's just leverage that. So that's amazing. So Zuri, uh, one more question on the product itself. I'm looking at the repo and we've talked a lot about the product architecture and how it works, but like let's talk about the tech stack. Like what are the languages and that you built it in and how's it built? That's a great one, Mark. You want me to go through the history of the languages we use, or you want to just the current one? <laughs> yeah, I think all of our projects look a little bit like that, but you know, yeah. Like, all right. So, fun story. So, we started writing career fencing Go. Why Go? Because at the beginning, uh, the implementation, the first iteration that we thought the MVP would be Istio Mixer plugin, and by that, that means writing it in Go. However. Uh, the customer we work with, which is Cisco, by the way, and thank you, Cisco, for supporting this project from the very beginning. Uh, without you, CureFence probably would not be what it is today. It still was going through changes and, you know, from one X to one Y, whatever the exact number they decided that, you know, more power will be passed to, from Mixer will be taken to the uh, sidecar and the inverse gateway and so on. So we realized that there was no future writing in Go Mixer uh, plugin, and we, quick enough, we decided to switch gears and build it on top of Envoy. Now, building it on top of Envoy within a given time frame that we had, just rewrite of a product within an ongoing development, uh, and there is a deadline for releases and so on. So we started with Lua, right? We saw that um, Envoy supports Lua, so let's write it in Lua, and we simply was not fit for Lua, we have written in C and integrated into Lua. So that's how we started. But sure enough, when we finalized the, what we believe was alpha version of the Cure Fence, and then we look into performance, that was a problem. As I said, we process a lot before we looking into starting looking into the headers and the cookies and the actual body of the request. So we start writing Cure Fence in Rust, right? So basically, there is a Rust code base that is now being taking more and more uh, chunks from the Lua and migrated to Rust. And that Rust is compiled as shared object, C shared object, that exposed to the Lua. So basically, the Lua is just the glue between Envoy and the Rust, which is um, safe, as we know, um, memory safe and performant and so on and so forth. So that would be one version of CuriousFence, which is the Rust compiled and the Lua glowing between the proxies. That is great because the next step and that, in this case, we're touching roadmap, uh, next version of CuriousFence, probably early next quarter, which is effectively next month, we will announce full support for Nginx, right? So when you're using Envoy or Nginx, same product, same configuration, same policy. You can use mix and match of both, and we behave the same. So if you have a Kubernetes that some parts of the Kubernetes is in Envoy and other parts is in Nginx, not a problem. Same applies, and it works the same in both cases. And there are more, I uh, would say, we're looking into with Lyft, actually teams from Lyft and, and other Envoy maintainers to work on a deeper integration 
But for that, I would rather discuss when things will be more mature. And obviously, those are not written in Rust or uh, Lua. Is the Nginx implementation easier or possible because of Nginx's Lua module, or is like that totally irrelevant and you had to like kind of build Nginx from the beginning? No, no. So that would be Nginx with Lua module. Uh, so again, the Lua will be the glue between the proxy, mm-hmm. in this case, Nginx, and the uh, Curifins, which is the Rust implementation compiled as a static shared object. And that all makes sense. I, the only part that I didn't quite get was why Rust did not Go. You started off with Go, you're looking at Go, but like you ended up with Rust. Um, was it for performance, type safety, just familiar with Rust? or what was it? Yeah, I would say that the type system of Rust and the safety, and the, it was chosen by the team. They really liked that, that one for uh, more than Go in that terms of capability of compiling it also and either for WASM, there was a, you know, we were looking into uh, WebAssembly, the possibility of using WebAssembly, even though we're not likely using WebAssembly because the WebAssembly is sandbox and quite limited to what you can do within that sandbox. While we do a lot more than um, right now is available. But yeah, the team chose uh, Rust over Go for I think they like the type uh, system of Rust more than the Go. However, we do use Go all over the place. Don't get me wrong, I mean, so parts are written in Go, some parts are written in Rust, some parts are written in Python, uh, and some in Lua. Multilingual project, but fun to work with. Use the right tool for the right thing. Don't try to like fit everything into the framework. Yeah. Justin, I'd love to play you back into the conversation here. Sure. CurryFence is a CNCF sandbox project and relatively new. Um, towards the end of 2020, were you involved in the process of, of submitting it and getting it accepted? Um, in, can you walk through what that was like? Yeah, so I was, and the reason I joined Reblaze is because this was an opportunity, and it was always something that I would, I just always wanted to be involved with the Linux Foundation and CNCF. So it was just a great opportunity, and I told Zuri I'd only join uh, Reblaze if we went ahead with the CNCF. So. It was cool because before I I even joined the company, I had a call with the CEO and the VP of marketing. And I'm like, do you understand what happens when we give this, when we donate this project? It's no longer ours. And they both were on board with it. And I was like, this is the right company. You know, I got to join them. So, yeah, I mean, really, we donated it because we believe the best way to sustain an open source project is that the project is part of a foundation. And since CuryFence extends Envoy, we thought this was probably the best fit for CuryFence. And, you know, another reason for joining the CNCF is we remove a lot of legal and governance obstacles so we can get more users and more contributors. And they, the CNCF, make sure that we adhere to their standards, which are very, very high. And we like that. And this Joining the CNCF really does ensure users and adopters that CuryFence won't bait and switch on a non-OSD uh, open source definition compliant license, like the SSPL, the service-side right. public license, or the business source license, that we've seen many other projects that a company is behind have done. And we want to ensure that Reblaze doesn't have those intentions. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 
super important Reblaze can continue to exist with a commercial offering and like, you know, making money is important because it gives us the opportunity to do this, but donating it to the CNCF, you know, especially something like CurryFence, which I want to integrate in at a, at a pretty critical layer in my infrastructure. So I want some kind of guarantees around, you know, longevity, the project's going to be around for a while. And I think like, to me, it makes sense that as a CNCF project, you kind of like check a lot of boxes by default. It's not some open source project that may swap the license out two years down the road. Right. Well, I mean, there's some really great projects that we've been looking over. And Suri and I, pretty much on a weekly basis, look at linkerd.io and we say, okay, what is what is William Morgan doing? <laughs> you know, because they've done a really, really amazing job at community and also showing that, hey, this project is by uh, Buoyant, the company that is sponsoring the project for, you know, doing a majority of the investment, but it's also owned by the CNCF. So we really, really enjoyed, number one, that podcast that you did with William. It was a really great podcast. But we also really were very heavily inspired by what Linkerd is doing, You know how they've gone from sandbox to almost graduation. And we want to basically follow that playbook uh, you know, and put our own spin on it, but still like... It's really great to just see other CNCF projects and how they've evolved and also find ways to get a return on investment because, you know, a lot of time, money, and people hours is going into getting a Curie Fence. It's not just like a bunch of volunteers yet. So, you know, (laughs) it's just important to us to know that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel to get a return on investment. And we're going to do that with the uh, inspiration from other CNCF projects like Linkerd. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, standing on the shoulders of giants, as they say, right? Like being able to like see people who have blazed this trail ahead of you. Exactly. And it's really helped me, you know, because there's the CNCF is relatively new. It's like 2014, 2015, they, they launched. So it's hard to go you know, I've been a part of many open source projects, but this is a lot different. This is, you know, you can't just make up your own rules and go gung ho and say, hey, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. You know, everything's got governance and standards that you have to adhere to. And being able to look and reach out, like we, I've, I have a meeting with William later this month and get to ask him, like, hey, like, where can we, improve like how did you handle this it's kind of like you really get into a family in a, in a way yeah that's great yeah it is new like the CNCF and you know they've also last year changed the sandbox application process you know the bar was higher before mm. and i don't know you know like curry fence likely would have passed that bar but like the push in the CNCF right now in the the TOC the technical oversight committee is really to like lower it down and make it easier and easier to get you know experimental style projects adopted in which like hopefully just increases the number of projects tremendously yeah well i mean number one thanks for making me feel completely deflate me i'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> no, but number two, you do see that there are like a lot of GitOps uh, working groups. Like you see a bunch of experimental projects here and there, which I think is actually good and encourages inclusion and making sure that, hey, you know what? Maybe there is that one project that is kind of like, uh, I don't know if it's relevant, but it could end up being a really big hit. So, yeah. 
just in general, one of the things that's exciting, both about Curry Fence and about like a lot of the newer sandbox projects is, you know, open source projects really focused on security. It's not something historically that we've had a lot of right. with such like good security expertise, you know, like, and it's now available to, you know, a one or two person startup can throw Curry Fence in a cluster and actually get a enterprise grade web application firewall. Exactly. And as an open source project that, you know, can be really used without any commercial support if you don't want it. It was really validating yesterday. VMware acquired a company called Mesh7, which I just found out about yesterday, but does what CurryFence does, but it's a proprietary offering. So we know we're in the right space. We know we have really great support from Matt Klein, who's the creator of um, Envoy, and also Chris Anishak, who is one of the leads of the CNCF. So we're lucky to have that but we're also, we have a great product and we have a great project that is going to make sure that the folks that are using Envoy, you know, the Airbnbs, the Netflixes, we're going to eventually have them as users and contributors. And we look forward to that because it's just where things are going. You just see more and more companies adopting cloud-native approach to software development and Envoy being that sort of, I wouldn't say Nginx replacement, although you see more and more companies using that service and HTTP proxy over Nginx in the cloud-native space. I still love Nginx. I'll always be a fan of Nginx and we're also, as Zuri said, going to be supporting it soon. But yeah, we're really, really excited about the Envoy ecosystem and look forward to serving all of them. Yeah, that's that's cool. You know, we've talked on and off about like the future roadmap, you know, like, oh, there's Nginx coming up and like there's some changes that we're gonna make. Let's actually like dive in for just a minute here and actually chat about what's specifically on the roadmap. Like if I want to adopt Curry Fence now, what's in the short term roadmap that you guys see that are important and strategic for you to finish out in in twenty twenty one? Starting with uh Marketplaces. So within a few weeks, you'll be able to deploy CurryFence from within your marketplace, uh, cloud marketplace, uh, either Amazon, Google Cloud Platform, or Azure within their managed Kubernetes, for example, in addition to the Helm charts and the other uh, deployment tools that we provide today. There would be, as I mentioned, uh, the Rust port will be completed soon. That means uh, much better performance and safer and more capabilities. Everything related to security automation, I mentioned the AI, machine learning base, analysis, and policy, automatic policy definition and recommendation that's coming down the road within uh, H1. Um, so there's a lot of exciting stuff coming down the road. I would say a whole bunch of analytics and reporting later on top of CurryFence that you can just plug and play on top of, say, Kibana or Grafana or probably, I can't tell right now, specific one, but from my experience, uh, software delivery is so dynamic. So I'm assuming we will have more tools in addition to Kibana and Grafana I mentioned for analytics and visualization. So just stay tuned, use the product. And by the way, by the way, even though it's open source and free, to ensure early adapters getting everything they need to get started we made a internal decision to treat each and every user, GitHub user even, as a paying customer, even though they're using the free product. So they will get full support by our team, 
from deployment questions, advice, and consultancy, and everything, as if they were like commercial customers. Wow. Just so we make sure we get this feedback and real-world experience and improve as we move forward. It's free fanatical support. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you get great product feedback, but like also somebody who's adopting it, like, you know, kind of a little bit of a design partner on figuring out more of the medium-term roadmap, probably. They can influence it pretty significantly. They will definitely influence it, even if they would not intend to. Cool. Since joining the CNCF, has there been changes to the way you're handling the open source like community? Are there, uh, Justin, just a kind of open question there. Like, How are you handling the community um, side? How do people get involved in the project right now? So we're lucky enough to be a very new project where we're not getting flooded with uh, issues. But the issues that do come in, I am so excited <laughs> to be helping out and basically working with our team to make sure that you know these get squashed out as soon as possible. We had one gentleman from the Istio team that opened an issue, and to me that was like, really, really awesome. We just got to do an update for a newer uh, version. But, you know, I think that what one thing that we're doing is we're, we, we're investing a lot in swag because as I have learned with working with the Digital Ocean Hacktoberfest for years on end, you would be surprised what developers would do for a t-shirt. And we really feel that having really good swag, just like Linkerd does, will encourage brand advocates to talk about carry fans. And uh, it's just a way to grow this community. And, you know, we have a Slack channel, we have our social channels, and it's a grind. You know, it's, we're very new, so it's hard to really get attention. But right now, I think just making sure the product is just getting better and better. And when new users come in, whether they want to be contributors or just they want to use the product, that they know there is a community person who is me that is going to treat them like like royalty. And I, it's not like me just saying that. Like I really am excited for new users that are opening up issues because it's a first impression. You know, if we treat them like garbage, who's going to adopt this? So yeah. we're excited. So to to that end, like, is there any specific targeted type of use case that you'd love to see more of, or is it really just, hey, anybody who wants a web application firewall and is running cloud native infrastructure, like, try it out, give us some feedback. You know, as I said before, since we are an extension of Envoy, we're looking to adopt as many enterprise users as possible. So we're lucky to have Matt Klein as a product advisor for CurryFence. And we think we have a good shot of eventually getting Airbnb, Stripe, Netflix, and others to adopt CurryFence or contribute to the project. So in terms of use cases, we would love them to use every component of CurryFence as possible or use just one feature, whether they just want to just use the WAF or the uh, seven-layer DDoS protection. I mean, it's really up to them. But what we want is large enterprises using the product and telling people, hey, that's what we use in our stack. And that's what Reblaze makes. That's kind of what we're going for. 
Awesome. Suri and Justin, it's been really great chatting about Curry Fence. Before we go, um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Well, personally, I'd like to thank to each and every team member of Curry Fence. Reblaze team, obviously, but far beyond Reblaze, teams from Lyft, um, headed with uh, Matt Klein, teams from Cisco, Airbus, uh, eBay, uh, Red Hat, and Elastic. Uh, the CNCF team, obviously, Justin, and everybody else, every team members. Really, you know, without them, nothing would have happened. So that is a great opportunity for me to thank each and every one for an endless amount of hours and efforts putting into Curry Fence to make it what it is and obviously keep working, keep improving and evolving the product down the road. And sure enough, Matt Klein, Chris and Santos from Cisco, you guys are awesome. Without you, this would never be happened. Yeah, and our maintainers who are Flavio, Aviv, Philip, did I, I got that right, sir? Yeah. Xavier and Spiros. Thanks, y'all. It, it, I always screw up Xavier's name. Can you say it, please? Xavier. Xavier. Okay, yeah. So those are the maintainers, and they're just an amazing group of folks to work with, and I'm very lucky to be able to work with them on a daily basis. That's great. Justin in Surrey, thanks so much for joining me. I'm really excited about Curry Fence. It's a new project, but it's like got a lot of maturity, a lot of story to it. And um, I'm personally like really excited to see this project move forward, see what happens and watch it get through the incubation and, and hopefully onto the graduated phase and widespread adoption. Thanks so much, Mark. It was really a pleasure to come on the show. Indeed, Mark. Thank you very much for your time and for the opportunity. And we're looking forward to working together. That's all we have time for today. If you're the maintainer of a CNCF project and would like to be a guest on this show, head over to kublist.com. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com to check out the library. It's packed with amazing talks and content on sales, marketing, product, and more for founders of developer tools companies. And this podcast is brought to you by my company, Replicated, where we enable cloud-native software vendors to operationalize and scale the distribution of their modern on-prem software to their largest enterprise customers. Check us out at replicated.com.